You're listening to The Self-Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Allison Klein. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Allison Mira. Eoch Tanuyap. Kwege Iwans Kwiensna. Hi, everybody. My name is Kwege Iwans. I'm a member of the Squamish Nation and the Yogalanis Clan of the Haida Nation. You're listening to Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. We live, work, play, and broadcast from the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations. This episode is going to be on two events that are happening in May right now. The first event is DOCSA, which is the Documentary Film Festival, which is happening May 4th to 14th. And then there is an event with Real Wheels Theatre Production happening May 8th to 13th at the Roundhouse. But first, let's put on our theme song, Possibilities by Key Sierra. <laughs> The song you just heard is Possibilities by Key Sarah. Key Sarah is a mother-daughter duo from Ontario, and the daughter who is singing is on the autism spectrum. You're listening to The Self-Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Alison Klein. You can find me on... Instagram and Twitter at Alzamira. So the first event happening right now is DOXA or the Documentary Film Festival happening May 4th to 14th in Vancouver. They have three films 
just on disability. I'm going to see all three films. I hope to see anybody out there also come with me and watch some documentary films. I'm going to be talking with Sarah Blake, who is the Director of Development and Communications at DOXA. Thank you so much, Sarah, for being on my show. Off the bat, what inspired DOXA to highlight three films just on disability? Well, thank you. First of all, thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, I'm really excited to talk about these films. And um, there are a few films in the program that maybe are tangentially about disability as well. But yeah, these these three films, um, I, I feel like documentary is um, widely known as a medium that can um, activate change and change people's perspectives, especially. Um, and I feel as though uh, like just the nature of um, the ableist world we live in and the way that we inherit ableism as a frame of thinking. And um, it means that there's, we're ripe for change. We're ripe for, for new perspectives on disability. So whenever a documentary that A, um, is collaborative with its subjects. That's really important, especially when talking about disability and folks who experience the multitude of disability. And B, uh, that really feels invigorating and really feels like it's ripe for change. Um, DOXA is so happy to program those films. So these three um, meet those criteria and beyond. To change minds and documentary film changes minds. Yeah. Especially during these times when there is a lot of ableism. How do these films change the minds? Well, okay, well, I, I'll, I'll have to clarify exactly which films I talk about, I guess. So, I mean, uh, I guess when people are flipping through the program, the film that um, might pop out immediately as being about disability is called A Way to Be, which is about a dance, uh, a dance collective in Barcelona that are all made up of, uh, all the members of the dance uh, collective have varying physical disabilities. And um, it's a hybrid documentary. So it, in saying that, it means that it's sort of blending um, different ways of telling the story. Maybe it's a little bit of a dance film um, that maybe would remind folks of a music video or something. And then sometimes it's more, typical documentary form where people are speaking to camera. Um, and I th think that this documentary changes minds um, or has that potential because uh, it's so collaborative and so joyful. I think there, there are tropes that happen in documentary, uh, especially about disability where um, it becomes a sob story. It becomes an inspiration, you know, for folks who are able-bodied, and that's 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 what we want to avoid, I think. And that's what this film does so beautifully: is it it shows the multitude of physical disability and what that means for movement and what that means for creative expression, and uh, it does so in a way that that challenges ableist expectation. And I think that for audience members who maybe haven't grappled with those. Um, those depictions and, and perspectives of disabled joy and, and dance and movement and expression, I feel like that would be a challenging thing to sit with and, and thus lots of potential for change. Lots of potential for change to have disability joy without a sob story or inspiration or inspiration porn. Yeah. And I've also noticed that there are other films that also touch on racism and classism, a whole bunch of different marginalized perspectives that are not like a sob story or inspiration yeah. for, for others. Yeah. For an audience member with a disability who wants to go to these shows, but they are wondering how they could, for accessibility, how can the audience member with a disability get accessibility? How has mm -hmm. DOXA provided accessibility? Yeah, so um, each of our venues where we have venues, um, screenings at VIF Center and at the Cinematheque and at SFU Cinema. 
mostly at VIF Center and or at uh, Cinematheque. And all of our venues are um, at minimum wheelchair accessible with accessible bathrooms, but also um, accessibility is like so many things, right? There's, there's um, the accessibility of maybe folks don't have access to a computer or maybe there are limitations with um, transit with public transportation to the theaters. So um, we try with volunteers to make wayfinding and um, help with purchasing tickets at that first, that first stage as accessible as possible. And then when folks get to the venue, um, it's really important that at DOXA, all the volunteers are aware of um, if an audience member requires access needs um, in a physical way, that there are seats ready for them, there are volunteers to help. We, we make sure that there's lots of folks on staff and um, at each venue so that nobody's stretched too thin and can really attend to an audience member's needs if they need. Um, beyond that though, um, DOXA is very uh, excited to have um, select screenings at VIF Center that are closed captioned with devices um, at that cinema for folks to use if they require, um, if they're deaf or hard of hearing. Um, and the, all the films that have closed captions at VIF Center, um, so you can access these closed captioning devices are on our website. They're listed there with the screening times as well. Um, and then beyond that as well, like it's really important that um, in my perspective, accessibility includes the emotional work of grappling with um, documentary because a lot of times the themes in documentaries are really, um, they, they can, they can uh, uh, evoke emotion. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's trauma there. There's, there's some, there's some after, like there's a care that needs to happen um, in many cases. So select screenings as well um, at DOCS are, are going to have resources available, whether it be a counselor on site or um, staff equipped with the right resources if folks need them. Um, Cause accessibility also means just like making sure your emotional access needs are taken care of. So um, I feel like I, I don't know if I answered the question very well, but um, if I, I guess the thing I would, I would say um, for sure is that if anyone has questions about accessibility at DOXA, um, you can email info at doxafestival.ca or any of the staff members at any of the venues would be happy to help and, and um, answer any questions. It sounds like there is an effort made for people with physical disabilities who use mobility devices and an effort for at least one venue to have devices for people who are deaf or hard of hearing. And if there's subject matter that could elicit some mental health issues that there's someone on site who could help with that. Mm -hmm but there's also room to grow for more accessibility for people who are blind or partially sighted or neurodiverse communities. Absolutely. Well. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I'm also volunteering for DOXA. <laughs> and so I always ask, is it going to be accessible? Is it going to be accessible? Is it going, yeah. to, going to be accessible? And that yeah. year yeah, for, absolutely. for everybody else. With that, don't go anywhere because there will be more about DOXA on The Self-Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Alison Klein. Did you know that Vancouver Co-op Radio CFRO 100.5 FM has over 90 different shows produced by over 350 community members? This wide range of programming produced by our diverse group of programmers ensures that we have a show you'll love. We have shows on feminism, spirituality, disability rights, politics, unions, and parenting. We play jazz, indie rock, reggae, blues, and folk. We broadcast in a dozen different languages and have more First Nations programs than any other radio station in Vancouver. Find your show on Vancouver Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. All different, all the time.
listening to The Self-Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Alison Klein. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Alison Mira. Right now, I am talking with Sarah Blake, who is the Director of Development and Community at DOXA, because DOXA, which is running in Vancouver, the Documentary Film Festival, and it is running May 4th to 14th, and they have three films that specifically touch on disability. For a person with a disability who wants to make, produce, write, direct, or star in a documentary film and have their documentary film be shown at DOXA, what's one piece of advice you would give to them? Oh boy. Well, I think that documentary is a special industry um, because it's relatively small. So you have a lot of folks who are ready and willing to collaborate. Um, But I think uh, it also means that there's just so many barriers um, because of funding and because of how small and perhaps um, narrow the distribution channels are. So a place like DOXA as a festival, um, for a lot of documentaries, you know, the festival circuit is where they get seen and and then that's that because <clears throat> because of the nature of, of all the, the systemic barriers in the film industry and so for, um, folks with disabilities who uh, already the challenge of finding funding and finding collaborators and getting your film seen, it, those barriers are huge for anyone. And so I would say um, because of the nature of the world we live in, those barriers are even more so for marginalized folks. So my piece of advice would be to find your people and to really work um, in collaborative ways with the people who care about your project because um, the nature of documentary is that um, we can't do it alone. I think any interdisciplinary art form like film uh, means that community is paramount. So I would say for, for anyone um, and especially folks who, who feel those barriers to the industry most strongly that um, your community and drawing upon your community to make a film is going to be so important as a support system and just logistically, um, it's it's really, and, and I personally feel that that's what makes the best documentaries is, is when you can see the collaborative approach there. Um, and then showing at docs, I mean, please submit, please submit your films. <laughs> um, please submit the film and find your people and find that community so that it's a, a big collaboration and you fight those barriers in the film industry. Mm-hmm. What do you hope in the future for both the documentary film industry and the disability community? I really hope that the process of making documentary films becomes more accessible. I think that right now we're in um, we're in sort of a sea change of culture where representation is still at the forefront of everyone's minds. And that's really important. You know, seeing people on screen who reflect your life experiences will never not be important, but there's all this work that goes into making what you see on screen. And those, um, that industry element that just being on set, you know, even just like holding a camera that's really heavy and all the sound equipment, like all those things are, are um, the things that need to become more accessible before even that representation piece steps in. And I think that's why we see so many documentaries about um, marginalized folks that are made by by people with relative privilege uh, because of that access that access piece that um, you know not everyone can write grants until the wee hours of the morning, right? So I feel as though, um, the documentary industry and disability, um, how should I phrase this? The documentary industry has a lot to learn from uh, disabled activists and the disability community because the process of making a film is so labor intensive and that's I think where the access needs to step in more. Um, 
yeah, I could I could go on, but I just feel like the festival and DOXA, we are the end point and there's so much work that happens before. And that's where access needs to be too, you know, not just not just in the viewing of films. Accessibility, just having accessibility for production, mm -hmm. uh, equipment, labor intensity, finding grants, the whole nine yards. How can the listener find DOXA and attend one of the documentary films? Well, good question. Um, you could go to any of the venues that I mentioned, the Cinematheque, VIF Center, or SFU, Gold Corp Center for the Arts, and buy tickets at the box office there. But uh, we also have a website. It's Doxa Festival, D-O-X-A-F-E-S-T-I-V-A-L dot ca and our program is there um, i'll also just mention that we have lots of um, screenings in theaters but after a festival proper so from may 15th to 24th a select number of films will be online so if you can't make it out to the cinema or you'd rather watch from home you can do so after festival dates and those films are also um, available to see through our website. Um, and you can also give the DOCSA office a call. So 604-646-3200. And hopefully someone will be there to help you out. Um, yeah, and program books are all around town. They're, they're usually at JJ Beans. So if you go to a JJ Bean, you can pick up a DOCSA program book. So go pick up a DOCSA program book or go to their website or even go to one of the sites like Cinematech or VIF Center or SFU Gold Corp Center for the Arts, or you can watch it after the festival, May 15th to the 24th. Thank you so much, Sarah, for talking with me today about DOXA. Thank you so much. Don't go anywhere because there will be more on The Self-Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Alison Klein. Vancouver Cooperative Radio is an innovative, nonprofit community radio station with a mission to produce creative and engaging programming for communities whose voices are underrepresented in the mainstream media. We need your financial support to help us achieve this mission. By donating today, you will help us to continue to provide training and access to equipment for over 300 volunteers who produce 140 hours of original programming in over 10 languages. Our radio station is located in the heart of the downtown east side, and since 1975, we have celebrated the rich cultural diversity of the greater Vancouver area through our arts, music, and spoken word programming. Please support alternative community-based radio. Donate today by visiting coopradio.org forward slash donate or calling 604-684-8494. That's 604-684-8494. You're listening to The Self-Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Alison Klein. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Alison Mira. The second event that's happening at the beginning of May is Free Wheeling. It is a mini festival of free workshops and performances by and for the disability community. It's hosted by Real Wheels and it's happening May 8th to 13th at the Roundhouse. I'm going to be talking with Jessica Keenan, who is the associate producer for Free Wheels, and Emily Brooke, who is hosting and performing at the Open Mic Night. Both are part of the events and workshops at Free Wheeling at the Roundhouse. So that's very exciting. Thank you both so much for being on my show. Off the bat, I'm going to start with you, Jessica. What inspired this festival, Free Wheeling, and this big festival or this mini festival, as the website says? Hi, thanks for having us, Allison. What inspired it is um, the past three years since the COVID-19 pandemic, 
the world as a whole has faced a lot of isolation. And I think the disability community has been hit harder than most communities by that. And we feel that it is time to safely gather again and kind of have a reunion, but also make new friends and expand. So this has a very reunion feel to our festival, um, kind of like coming back together with old old buddies from high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're very excited to gather in person um, and with such a fantastic lineup. <laughs> mm-hmm. It looks very exciting. Go ahead, Emily. I was just going to say my very first um this kind of does mirror perfectly my very first Real Wheels performance. It was a community project called Comedy on Wheels. And that was actually where I performed stand-up for the very first time ever. And uh, those were the first jokes I had ever written ever um, and performed. So, and this is probably uh, the second, you know, set of, you know, five minutes of stand of, of jokes that I've written since then. So, um, you know, uh, Real Wheels has, has is, um, it's definitely a, a got reunion feels for sure and and special ones for me as an artist as an artist it's a high school reunion after covid for people in the in the disability community yeah yeah it's a reconnection a reconnection what have been some of the highlights of creating such a festival after covid or some of the positives I'll start with you, Emily, because you're now the host of the Open Mic Night. What's some of the positives slash highlights of hosting Open Mic Night, which is coming up really soon? The positives, uh, as always, are are being getting the opportunity to both participate in and support uh, work to to be a part of supporting um, uh, emerging artists and creating content just for um, you know, just for their own self-expression and their own growth as artists and, um, and getting to do that with the Real Wheels Academy cohort as has been really, really special. Um, we're working on a, a dance routine as a collective and each working on, uh, our own individual pieces, uh, as artists as well. And it's, it's a really, really exciting opportunity for people to see, um, to see what, what the Crip community uh, can do creatively. And, um, and it's a great opportunity for us to, to reconnect because like Jessica said, uh, the social isolation of, uh, that most people experience during COVID is very, very uh, much, um, it's, it's indicative or it's, um, I, we, I think we felt that able-bodied folks in the general popula- population got a taste of the, the, the social isolation that a lot of people with disabilities live with consistently. And, um, and so, like Jessica said, you know, the social isolation of, of COVID uh, hit us even harder. And it's, it's, a, it's an exciting opportunity for us to reconnect. To see what everybody is doing now, quick random question what is the real wheels acting academy so the real wheels acting academy and i'll let jessica if if i mess up the intro at all let me know um uh the real wheels acting academy is a um uh mixed ability um uh, uh, acting program for um well actually it's a uh, it's an acting program for uh, people, professional acting program for people with disabilities of all ages, experience levels, and uh, ability levels as well. Um, we have a woman uh, named Bobby who's 62 and has both uh, cerebral palsy and ankylosing spondylitis, uh, but she's been in theater for decades um, and uh, had, brings a wealth of experience into, into the class. And another woman, um, uh, in her fifties and a couple of people my age. Um, and, uh, it's a flexible, uh, and yet, uh, uh, professionally, uh, structured, uh, acting training program. It's really, really, really valuable. Really valuable to be able to have a flexible, but professional program to teach theater or acting of all sorts. That's right. And, it, and it's a pilot program. So it's, it's very important that it be supported. For everyone to support it. Yeah. 
for accessibility. Yeah. With that, don't go anywhere because there will be more on the self-advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Alison Klein. Hi, everyone. I'm Derek Whitesky Cloud from Métis Matters Radio. I'm on Wednesday nights at 5 o'clock. Vancouver Cooperative Radio is an innovative nonprofit radio station and recording studio with a mission to produce creative and engaging programming for communities whose voices are unrepresented in the mainstream media. We need your financial support to help us achieve this mission. By donating today, you'll help us to continue providing access to training and equipment for over 300 volunteers who produce over 140 hours of original programming in over 10 languages. We strive to provide programming that does not discriminate against people on the grounds of sex, race, age, class, ability, orientation, or anything else. Since 1975, we have celebrated the rich cultural diversity of the greater Vancouver area through our arts, our music, and spoken word program. Donate today by visiting coopradio.org or calling 604-684-8494. You're listening to The Self-Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Alison Klein. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Alison Mira. So right now I'm talking with Jessica Keenan, who is the producer of Free Wheeling, a mini festival of free workshops and performances by and for the disability community, May 8th to 13th. And Emily Brooke, who is the host and one of the performers at the Open Mic Night. It's going to be on Friday, May 12th. It will be a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. I hope to see others there. What have been some of the more challenging parts of hosting and being a a performer at the open mic night, which is happening May 12th? Definitely some of the challenges have been um, like how to organize the time um, and sort of like what, uh, what sort of boundaries to give people for for their time their individual time how much time to give each individual performance um those have been uh those have been some some tricky things and also some of the things that we've all encountered in uh the pandemic uh being sort of having to communicate over zoom um and have that sort of pad as much uh in-person uh meeting as we as, as it can um uh, those challenges definitely, definitely arise for sure. Um, but, uh, we're, we're lucky that we, we have a passionate, uh, group of organizers like, and, uh, uh, people behind it like Sean and, um, and Jessica. And, uh, we're, we're really, really excited about the lineup that we have for you guys. Just coordinating times and all of that and giving space to everybody. And then Zoom, of course, has been That's a challenge. Right. Like we're doing right now, this interview over Zoom. Yeah, I'm, it must be something that you run into at your with your work all the time. The sort of like the lags in in connection and and even just people's. Um, I think we all have a certain like latent sense that nothing real gets done on Zoom. You know, you can do all kinds of things over Zoom, but there's this strange feeling anytime you go in for a Zoom meeting of like, we're not really going to do anything here, are we? You know, like, um, and not that that's actually true of every everyone. We've had some very productive ones, certainly. Um, uh, but uh, but those are certainly challenges. I think that you that that you inevitably face anytime you're trying to organize something like this over. Um, over Zoom partially. It is. It is. How about for you, Jessica? What's some of been some of the highlights and lowlights of producing freewheeling? Um, some of the highlights for me personally is um, I love working with the company Real Wheels. They're one of my favorites to work with in the city. Um, they gave me some of my first opportunities when I was straight out of college. 
And so for me personally, I definitely have that reunion feel every time I come back and work for this company, um, especially because I've taken a break since the pandemic from live events. Um, and so it feels um, very special to come back and work on this project in live events with Real Wheels um, that does such important and meaningful work. So that's some of the highlights for me. Working with Sean McDonald, our interim artistic director, who's an old friend, um, is fantastic. And so some of the highlights for me are just getting back in the swing of this and doing live events and getting excited to gather again in person. So I'm very excited for that. Some of the challenges that we face, again, are coming back to live events um, and getting back in the swing of things and remembering the steps and logistics in which we take to achieve live events and what are those steps and how have they been adapted or amended since the pandemic and coming back to uh, an adaptive in-person process, <laughs> if that's a good way to phrase it. Um, but overall, I think it's a very rewarding experience. The challenges feel very satisfying when you get to problem solve. I think that's one of the joys of working in live events for all of us is that there's always something different and new um, and we're not afraid of challenges and we're not afraid of improvisation <laughs> improvisation and it's almost a, a double-edged sword it's exciting to be back in live and in person but at the same time logistically coming back in person and being safe at the same time for yeah. a person with a disability who wants to go into performance or wants to participate with freewheeling or real wheels or go into the academy or become a professional actor or performer of any type, what's one piece of advice you would give to them? I would start with you, Emily. Uh, I would say finding, uh, finding community, starting by looking for spaces that are specifically geared towards um, uh, artists with disabilities and supporting uh, that that type of um, uh, art advocacy. Um, it uh, that's a that can be a really crucial. Um, those spaces are really crucial to the development of uh, creativity and talent, for sure. So uh, start 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 looking for sort of community uh, in your creativity to find community. How about for you, Jessica, one piece of advice? I agree with Emily, but I'm also going to um, say something that is potentially uh, countering that. Be fearless, find those yeah. communities, but also if there is something that you wanna do and there isn't you know, maybe a mixed ability or a disability resource for it, be fearless, advocate for yourself, because at some point you can bring something new to a table that maybe hasn't experienced that and you can share that and you can bring that to the world. So be fearless, I think, is the advice that I would give. To be fearless, to find community and advocate for yourself. Self-advocacy, I would definitely say, for sure. Self-advocacy. And this is the self-advocate. There you go. That would be um, intentional. There you go. There you go. Perfect. What do you hope in the future for acting, the acting industry and the disability community? I'll start with you, Emily. The primary thing that I first think of is the uh, um, principle that's really uh, uh, integral to uh, our community and particularly to our art, I would say, um, uh, the nothing about us without us that um, the, that actors uh, portraying disability uh, have lived experience of disability. Um, that's the, the, the biggest thing. I think right now there's still uh, something like 2% of uh, actors uh, on screen uh, having a disability and of those actors, something, uh, a large percentage of them are, 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 are actors uh, that are able-bodied in real life. Um, so, you know, having uh, actors who are uh, neurodivergent, actors who are uh, have uh, visible disabilities as well, um, that's uh, incredibly important, uh, both uh, in front of and behind the camera. Representation and nothing about us without us. 
That's exactly it. How about for you, Jessica? Um, I would add to what Emily said. I think uh, you made, you you kind of took the words out of my mouth, so I'll add to it. Um, in addition to being more inclusive and having these people at the table, I think having conversation be a step very early on is so important because you can have someone at a table and not be meeting their needs because you haven't asked them what they need. Um, do you need salt? Do you need pepper? Um, and just kind of opening that door is so important because I think we can be inclusive, but still not inclusive if we approach everything with a kind of blanket as opposed to approaching everyone as individuals, which we should do in every aspect of life. Um, but kind of opening the door, especially in the workplace and in professional theater, where I feel like we're still very rushed, even coming back out of the pandemic where we slowed down for a bit. I feel like we still, we're almost making up for lost time and everything's going in double time. And I think slowing down and remembering kind of foundational core values that you can set really early on in the process are so important. And there's something that we could benefit of, uh, benefit from as an industry. To mm -hmm. slow down and ask what we need, exactly mm -hmm. what it, to ask what we need. How can the listener find about Real Wheels, the freewheeling event, which is happening May 8th to 13th? and attend the open mic night, which is on May 12th. Emily? Realwheels.com. And uh, there's all kinds of information about the Free Wheeling Festival uh, on uh, the Real, uh, Real Wheels website. Um, it's uh, May 8th to the 13th, and the open mic is May the 12th, 7 p.m. to 9.30. So go to the Free Wheels website. Realwheels.ca. Mm -hmm realwheels.ca. Thank you both so much for talking with me about freewheeling. And just as a quick shout out, thank you so much of the Arts Club for inviting me to the relaxed performance of The Legend of Georgia McBride. It was wonderful to watch drag on the big stage in a relaxed setting. It was absolutely perfect. And I had so much fun doing this. So for any listener out there, go check any other relaxed performance out at the Arts Club with the Stanley Theatre, with any of the other Arts Club theatres around Vancouver. Two thumbs up. It was amazing. Before ending this show, to get ready for freewheeling the mini festival May 8th, to 13th from the Real Reels production company. One of the performers that will be highlighted at Freewheeling is Greg77 Spokes Labine. His latest song is Clearing Out of My Mind. on the table cool fresh air outside feeling good and stable clearing out my mind just clearing it out clearing it out just clearing it out clearing it out just clearing it out clearing it out just clearing out my mind one thing i know i need is you and you need me let's see this scenery before it all goes away Feel serene breeze, slight chill off the seas. Are you real? Is this a dream before it all goes away? Is it mean for me to say we don't appreciate today? More than not, we got a lot more than we thought. So we ought to stop wishing we bought more. Got food on the table, cool fresh air outside. Feeling good and stable, clearing out my mind. So I hop in my ride and hit the coast. Nothing is nice as being on the road. Take a drive with the sunroof open, hope it won't go away. Fresh air blowing, almost there. Keep me caring, keep me sharing. Love from my friends is what I keep hearing, hope it won't go away. Sometimes it's the essential things, the bare necessities like Bill Harris sings. More than not, we got a lot more than we thought, so we ought to stop wishing we bought more. Food on the table, 
Oh, oh, I'm not asking for a oh, meal. 
Just want to get a little better I feel it's in my feet 